And will you go with me in the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4? 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there with me. It'll be in your bulletin or it'll be on the screen as we prepare to consider what it means that God is love. We're so thankful that it was Cub Scout Sunday. It's good to see our Cub Scouts. So thankful for all the exciting ministries going on in the life of our church. Will you um, hear with me now the word of the Lord as it comes to us from the book of 1 John? Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we must also love one another. We're gonna jump over to verse 19. We love because he loved us first. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or their sister. This is the word of God for the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said... Oh, my goodness gracious. Y'all stayed up late watching football, didn't you? Can I get, and all God's people said? Amen. I don't know if you're amen in the prayer or the football comment. As we begin talking this morning about God is love, I just want to remind you, we're in a series called God Is. There's a little bit of ringing going on in my microphone. I'm sorry, so that's in your ears. I think Nathaniel's got that covered. I'm not very technologically savvy with this stuff, so I'm like, hey, there's this sound, can you fix that? And, And thankfully, we've got great people who can help set me straight. So I'm thankful for the band and for all of our technicians. It's just, it's so good to have people who love serving the Lord together. But as we jump in, we're continuing our series, God Is, and this is our third week, even though last week was, you know, kind of in the middle with our our break for the Dill Lecture Series, which was a great weekend. Oh, it was so fun to to see the life that came from that event. But the first week we talked about just God is. God is, is like, you can't describe God in all these words, just God is. And then the next week we talked about God is creator, God is our maker. And today we're sitting with the idea that God is love. And when we begin talking about God being love and the nature of love, we're immediately drawn to certain conditions and and ideas and connotations we have with the word love, right? I mean, there are so many songs flying around that try to help us think about the deep questions of what love is. Like, um, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Or all you need is love. Or love lifts us up where we belong. Or girl, let me love you. Or and I will. I'm sorry, I can't. Clark and I, Clark Kennedy and I, we went to see Jude and the Lion last night downtown at the 1065. Yeah, and we had, it was a good time. But we were walking up. Well, we were driving up, and it started pouring rain right at seven o'clock when it was supposed to start going on. So we hung out in the truck. 
and we were just listening to the football game, and we, the rain subsided a little bit, and we were about to walk, um, walk over to the concert, and Clark rolls in the window and goes, oh, they're, they're playing, let's go, and it's just raining a little bit, so he and I share this umbrella. <laughs> These, I don't know, you saw Clark, Clark's guy playing guitar right here, he's really tall, and I'm not, I'm not a short guy, and so the two of us are huddled under this umbrella going up, thinking we're going to the Judah Line concert, and all of a sudden, um, we hear, I wanna know what love is. I'm like, I don't think that's Jude and the Lion. <laughs> it's just the music playing until the rain stops. But, but all these songs about love and all these movies about love, they, they bring on all these notions in our mind about what love is and, um, and, and what does it mean to be in love. The whole time when I was writing this sermon, my, my mind kept coming back to like Valentine's Day. And that's why I love that Brene Brown video where it goes into those little hearts that you get and like those, those chalky hearts that I've never really liked very much, but people always give you on Valentine's Day. I'm supposed to say thank you. So on Halloween, I'm glad we don't do those. We do Reese's on Halloween. So, or chocolate-covered Oreos, even better. But this idea that like Valentine's Day kind of encapsulates everything that our country thinks about what love is supposed to be. It's on Valentine's Day. Hallmark and, and other retail stores have kind of co-opted this. You know, this is what love is. It's commercialized. It's, you know, it's, it's roses. But I will say, despite how cliche Valentine's Day has become, I love Valentine's Day. I always have. Because here's the thing, I'm sentimental towards Valentine's Day for one very specific reason. I always felt like I had a shot on Valentine's Day. Yeah. The other 364 days a year, I felt like I was about a five, five and a half on a scale of one to 10, but I felt like a nine on Valentine's Day. I couldn't go full 10, I had to be humble. But I felt like a nine on Valentine's Day and I was gonna, I was gonna have a date on Valentine's Day. I didn't, have, um, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends growing up. Brianna was one of my two girlfriends I've had in life, but I went on a few dates, went on a number of dates, but specifically I knew Valentine's Day was gonna be my shot, gonna be my chance. And so I've always loved Valentine's Day. But I need to tell you a story about one particular Valentine's Day. And it was one of the worst Valentine's Days of my life. It was in college, and there was this girl who was in my graphic design class, her name was Brie. Not this Brie, mind you. So spelled differently, spelled the wrong way. You know, the right way is B-R-I. So. But she, um, she, she and I were talking, and we talked about this band Need to Breathe. And I don't know if you know the band Need to Breathe. They're actually gonna be here in a couple of weeks. We're going um, after Bible study, Bible study, the need to breathe. If you're going on Wednesday night saying, I'm going to do both, but we were going to go to the need to breathe concert. And she, um, she's like, Oh, I'm in a need to breathe. I'm like, Oh, well my friends from Gulf Shores, he's getting some of us some extra tickets. Do you want to go with me? It was on Valentine's day. And it worked out perfectly because my friend Sam and his girlfriend and Heath and his girlfriend, they were all going to go and I was going to be able to invite a date. And so I asked her to go with me. And so we drove down that morning and she rode with me in my Honda Element. I used to love that car. You could hose the whole thing out. And she rode with me, and Sam and his girlfriend rode with me. And, and we came to the Gulf Shores, and, and we played on the beach for the day, and we went to lunch with friends. And all my friends were so excited, like, man, she's cool, man. She's, we like her. I was like, yeah, I know. She's pretty cool. Is she? I thought pumped. She's like Valentine's Day, and it's a cool romantic date all day at the beach, going to the concert. Well, we go to the concert that night, and, and we go into the concert and go to our seats, which are kind of like nosebleed, just like that gen, at the wharf, like those general seats at the top where the metal benches are. And we're sitting on these, we're sitting up there, and, um, and all of a sudden she's like, all right, well, I'm gonna go see some friends. I'll catch you later. I'm like, what? She goes over, there's this other dude from Huntingdon. She goes over and sits with him, sits in his lap, hangs out with him, holds hands with him. You know, it just ends up sitting the whole night with him. And all my friends are like, <laughs> and I'm just like so bummed out. I'm going to enjoy the concert. You know, I had a good time. I'm with my friends. You know, it, it's a bummer. It is what it is. And so I just assume she's catching a ride back with him, right? I mean, that would make sense. You would, you would think that's how it would go. Sam and I and his girlfriend were walking back to my Honda Element. 
And all of a sudden, Bebop coming up, Bree comes like, all right, let's go back. I'm like, what? You, you want to ride with us? She, so she hops in the front seat. We don't make it out of the parking lot before she falls asleep in the front seat. I'm driving back to Montgomery from Gulf Shores at midnight. We don't get back till 2 a.m. And I'm sitting there just like fuming. I'm like, love stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting there singing that song. That's what I thought of love in that moment. It's funny how, how our mind thinks about this one word, love. How experiences shape the way we see love or think about love. And, and there's different kinds of love, you know, right? There, there's like the love we have. We use this word really, you know, just haphazardly, all willy-nilly. Like we take the word love, like we love our parents. And we also love ice cream. And we love Jesus. And we love that new Veer Bradley pattern. And we love our significant other, our boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or we love Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban because it's the best of the Harry Potter books. So love just gets real loose in how we use it. I love this and I love you. But you know, in other languages, there's different words for the word love. Specifically in the Bible, we have three different words that are used in Greek to talk about love. We have eros, philios, and agape. And you might, you've probably heard this before. This might be a review for you, those of you who are all of our Greek scholars in this room. But love, one of the most common ways it's referred to in the Bible is philios. So Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, comes from that word. Philiaguria is the love of money. It's this kind of general love, this trust or loyalty. Like, I love pizza. I love my new watch. It's kind of a generic word for, you know, I just, I love this podium that falls over. And, and that's a, a very you know, generic, I just love these things. And then there's eros, which is a very different kind of love. It's that love that's on every teenage boy's mind as you know, they're, they're transitioning in life and they're thinking, I just, I love her and I love her and I love her. It's this idea of I want to be in love with somebody. And the Bible is specifically used in the Greek translation of the Song of Solomon as we think about what um, romantic love looks like, that love that we have in our life that is expressed in appropriate ways. And we think about, you know, this is something we don't really talk about because it's taboo, but eros is very much in the Bible and very much appropriate when understood appropriately. But our text for this morning specifically focuses not on eros or philios, but on agape, that word agape. Agape is the greatest of these loves. It's the charitable love God has for us. It's this unconditional love. It's the love that is required to make relationships work. It is the love that is necessary to offer forgiveness. It is the love that one has when they lay down their lives for one's friends. It's the love Jesus has for us. If we were to switch out the word in Greek in our translation, in our text for this morning, it would say this. Beloved, let us agape one another because agape is from God. Everyone who agapes is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not agape does not know God, for God is agape. God's agape is over and over. And what's unique about it, the reason I say that, is because it's rare that the same word for love is used for that many lines, for that many texts in the scripture. Often the words are interchanged. So often, other parts in the Bible, it says that the philaguria, the love of money, is the root of all evil. And a few verses over, it says Philadelphia is a form of brotherly love. And so, you know, it changes words, and then it will go into talk about agape and then philios. But this text specifically, our text this morning, God is love text, this First John text, is not worried about any of the other kind of loves right now. It's not that they're bad, not that they're not necessary, they are. But it's focusing on the greatest love, Agape. This idea of agape is really big for John, the epistle writer. He's trying to distinguish that this love is, is, is unique. 
Because in it is there's nature of, of unconditional earning. God loved us, and we didn't do anything to earn that love. That's what agape is. Agape is that love that you wanna have for somebody who's harmed you or, or who maybe said something mean to you, but you don't know that you can yet because you know that's the type of love God has for us and we might not be there yet. Or that love, that agape love, is that love that says, I'm, I'm gonna be with you, my, my significant other, until the end. You know, we, we are gonna make this work. We love each other. We agape one another. It is not fleeting. It is not momentary. It is not prescriptive. It is not dependent on anything. It is free. It is no chains attached. It is love that bears all things, forgives all things, that offers grace and mercy. And this is the type of love that God has for you and for me and for all of us. That's what it means when it says, we say that God loves us or that God is love. God is agape love. God is not, I love pizza and I love you. God is agape. So you've heard me say this a few times and you're hearing me say it a lot and I warned you, I'd say this all the time. But one of the most important things you can remember when you come to church, leave church every day in your whole life is that you are loved. You are loved by God, you are loved by me, you are loved by the people in this room. This community is rooted in agape, rooted in love. And so if you're here this morning and just struggling because the fall is in full swing and life is just crazy and you haven't got to see the people in your life who often fill your bucket up because you've just been passing in the night or you've been going a mile a minute or everything is just crazy right now and so you just feel like, man, I'm at my wit's end. Hear me say this morning, you are loved. Can you feel it in this room, the presence of the Holy Spirit? That There's a love that God has for you that cannot be replicated by anything else on this earth. There's nothing that can fill that hole in our lives that only God can. You are loved. And what is this love? This love is agape. No matter who you are, what you've done, what you think about yourself or what others have said about you, I don't care what shade's been thrown your way lately, God loves you. You might be like, well, we hear that all the time, right? So basic. Not everybody hears that all the time. Did you know that there are countless people in your lives going through their day-to-day experiences, never hearing those words? We take it for granted. Every time I leave the house or Brianna leaves the house, the last thing I say to her is always, I love you. Because I want that, you know, I'm like super like always like thinking doomsday, worst end scenario. Like, you know, what if, what if I, you know, something happens to me and I don't see her again? I want her, the last thing I say, I love you. But I say it to her every day. I mean, it can go, we can take it for granted because we say it so much. But you might be in this room and haven't heard those words. Or there, I can guarantee you there's somebody in your life who has not heard those words. And so for one last time this morning, I'm gonna say it again. You are loved. And here's the next part of that. The next part of that text. You remember that good Samaritan story? Where Jesus says, uh, well, the, the, the rich young person that says, you know, what have to do to inherit eternal life? The lawyer does, or the lawyer does. And, and Jesus says, you know, love your neighbors and love your brother and sister. And, and they say, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, which is somebody who's completely different than they are. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. So, but, but this idea that, that everybody is your neighbor. If they are a human being, they are your neighbor. And that passage says, 
the, the, the text says. We agape because he first agaped us. Those who say I agape God and hate their brothers and sisters are liars for they do not agape a brother or sister whom they have seen. This commandment we have from this. Those who agape God must agape their brothers and their sisters. And so friends, I fail to do this a lot. I'm a sinner. I am. I'm far from perfect, but I'm striving towards perfection. I hope to grow in sanctification every day. I thank God for the sanctifying grace that is at work in my life, but I realize that there are so many times where people just pass me by, or I pass people by, that are hurting, that are broken, that are in need, and I'm just in my zone doing my thing. Whether it's work, at the grocery store, my family, can you think of family members who are struggling that might just need to hear you say, I love you? Can you think of coworkers who might just need to know that they are loved? Can you think of friends in your life that go to school with you who might just need to know that you care about them? And if you're not comfortable saying, I love you, that's fine. We'll get there. But how about showing that love? John Wesley used to say, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. How do we show that love? How do we agape one another? How do we serve those? I'm not here to get into specific details this morning because I, want the, I hope the Holy Spirit will convict you within your own heart to say, how can I love my sisters and my brothers, my neighbors, those who I work with, those who I'm in a relationship with that might not go to church, that might not have a stable family, they might not have whatever it is that you might have and you've experienced love, so how do you share that love with others? Because that's the command. That's what we have here. And if we are Christians, we will be known by our love. They will know us by our love. And so this morning, as we come and get ready to celebrate communion and, and we participate in sharing in the greatest act of love, the remembrance of, of Christ's death on the cross for us, and the night before when he gave himself up. What's something that's really neat about this Sunday in particular? This is called World Communion Sunday in the Methodist Church. And every Methodist church around the entire world is having communion today. Because not, you know, we do it every week in here, and in the traditional service, it happens sometimes the first, it happens every first Sunday of the month, and some churches do it differently. But on this one Sunday, millions of people are gathered around the world celebrating in this love, this love that God has for us in this communion. And so as you come forward today, if you're struggling, I hope that you will receive the grace that is here and experience the Holy Spirit in a new way and know that we love you. I love you. God loves you. And as you experience that, I hope that the Holy Spirit will convict you. I pray, and I'm not saying that in a bad way to convince you of your sins. I'm saying I hope the Holy Spirit convicts you of how you can take that love to the world because there's a world full of broken people, of hurting people, of people who just need to know that word of hope. Judd Wilhite once said, if you preach the broken, you'll always have an audience. And so I, I pray for us as a church that we continue not only dwelling in the presence of the Holy Spirit here and in, enjoying and being so thankful for the love that we have in worship and small group and Sunday school and, and, and supper clubs and all the ministries that we do, but then we are convicted that no matter what we do in our daily lives and our mission work and in our, our work jobs and our hanging out with our family, that we're gonna take that love and we're gonna tell other people, whether with words or without them, that they are loved too because God is love 
And those who know God know love. And those who know love give love. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are moving in our lives and speaking to us in new ways each and every day. And we thank you for your love. We thank you that you have loved us so much that you continue to pour into our lives and we take for granted often the ways in which you are working. Lord, we confess that we have not loved with our whole hearts. We have not been an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law and rebelled against your love. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. As a people united, forgive us. We say, forgive us for those times we have failed to love and compel us and help us to be that love for the world. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to serve with you, to help make your kingdom known on earth as it is in heaven. And so God, convict us, speak into our lives, place the name of somebody, their face in our mind's eye so that we know exactly who to go to, exactly who to reach out to so we can leave this place ready not only to experience your love, but to share your love. Amen.